Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we are going to read chapters 35 to 36. And in the previous episode we read chapters 33 to 34 in which Leo and the rest of the gang were now on a mission to find Asclepius. An Olympian who may have the solution to finding the physician's cure. So now we're going to read chapter 35 to see whether they actually end up finding Asclepius and the physician's cure. So chapter 35, Leo. Leo spotted the secret entrance immediately. Oh, that's beautiful. He maneuvered the ship over the ruins of Epidaurus. The Argo II really wasn't in good shape to fly, but Leo had gone her airborne after only one night of work. With the world ending tomorrow morning, he was highly motivated. He'd primed the Orflops, he'd injected sticks water into the Samoflange, he treated Festus the figurehead to his favorite brew, 30-weight motor oil and Tabasco sauce. Even Buford the Wonder Table had pitched in, rattling, uh, rattling around below decks while his holographic mini hedge yelled, Give me 30 push-ups! to inspire the engine. Now at last, they hovered over the ancient temple complex of the healing god Asclepius, where they could hopefully find the physician's cure and maybe some ambrosia, nectar, and fonzies, because Leo's supplies were running low. Next to him on the quarterdeck, Percy peered over the railing. Looks more like rubble, he noted. His face was still green from his underwater poisoning, but at least he wasn't running to the bathroom to abchucks quite so often. Between him and Hazel's seasickness, it had been impossible to find an unoccupied toilet on board for the past few days. Ambit pointed to the disc-shaped structure about 50 yards off their port side. There. Leo smiled. Exactly. See. The architect knows her stuff. The rest of her crew gathered, gathered around, around. What are we looking at? Frank asked. Ah, Senor Zang, Leo said. You know how you're always saying, Leo, you are the only true geni genius among demigods? I'm pretty sure I never said that. Well, turns out there are other true geniuses, because one of them must have made that work of art down there. It's a stone circle, Frank said. Probably the foundation of an old shrine. Piper shook her head. No, it's, it's more than that. Look at the ridges and grooves carved around the rim. Like the teeth of a gear, Jason offered. And those uh, concentric rings. Hazel pointed to the center of the structure, where curved stones formed a sort of bullseye. The pattern reminds me of Pacifist Pendant, the symbol of the labyrinth. Huh, Leo scowled. Well, I hadn't thought of that. But think mechanical. Frank, Hazel, where did we see concentric circles like that before? The laboratory under Rome, Frank said. The Archimedes lock on the door, Hazel recalled. It had rings within rings. Percy snorted. <laughs> You're telling me that's a massive stone lock? It's like 50 feet in diameter. Leo might be right, Annabeth said. In ancient times, the temple of Asclepius was like the general hospital of Greece. Everybody came here for the best healing. Above ground, it was the size of a major city, but supposedly the real action happened below ground. That's where the high priests had their intensive care, super magical type compound, accessed by a secret passage. Percy scratched his ear. So if that big round thing is a lock, how do we get the key? Way ahead of you, Aquaman, Leah said. Okay, do not call me Aquaman. That's even worse than Waterboy. Leo turned to Jason and Piper. You guys remember the giant Archimedes grabber arm I told you I was building? Jason raised an eyebrow. 
I thought you were kidding. Oh, my friend, I never kid about this giant grabber arms. Leo rubbed his hand in anticipation. <laughs> it's time to go fishing for prizes. Compared to the other modifications Leo had made to the ship, the grabber arm was a piece of cake. Originally, Archimedes had designed it to pluck enemy ships out of the water. Now Leo had found another use for it. He opened the hull's forward axis vent and extended the arm, guided by the console monitor and Jason, who flew outside yelling directions. Left! Jason called. Oh, a couple of inches. Yeah. Okay, down. Keep it coming. You're good. Using his trackpad and turntable controls, Leo opened the claw. Its prongs settled around the grooves in the circular stone structure below. He checked the aerial stabilizers in the monitor's video feed. Okay, little buddy. Leo patted the Archimedes sphere and embedded in the helm. This is all you. He activated the sphere. The grabber arm began to turn like a corkscrew. It rotated the outer ring of a stone which grinded and rumbled, but thankfully it didn't shatter. Then the claw detached, fixed itself around the second stone ring, and turned in the opposite direction. Standing next to him at the monitor, Piper kissed him on the cheek. It's working, Leo. You're amazing. Leo grinned. He was about to make a comment about his own awesomeness, then he remembered that the plan he had worked out with Hazel and Frank, and the fact that he might never see Piper again after tomorrow. The joke sort of died in his throat. Yeah, well, thanks, beauty queen. Below them, the last stone ring turned and settled with this deep pneumatic hiss. The entire 50-foot pedestal telescoped downward into a spiral staircase. Hazel exhaled. <sighs> Leo, even from up here, I'm sensing bad stuff at the bottom of the stairs. Something large, dangerous... You sure you don't want me come, to come along? Thanks, Hazel, but we'll be good. He patted Piper on the back. Me and Piper and Jason, we're old pros at large and dangerous. Frank held out the vial of Pylosian mint. Don't break it. Leo nodded gravely. Don't break the vial of deadly poison. Man, I'm glad you said that. Never would have occurred to me. Shut up, Valdez. Frank gave him a bear hug. And be careful. Ribs! Leo squeaked. Sorry. Ameth and Percy wished them good luck. Then Percy excused himself to go throw up. Jason summoned the winds and whisked Piper and Leo down to the surface. The stairs spiraled downward about 60 feet before opening into a chamber as long as bus Bunker 9. Which is to say, ginormous. The polished white tiles on the f walls and floor reflected the light of Jason's sword so well that Leo didn't make the need to make a fire. Rows of long stone benches filled the entire chamber, reminding Leo of one of those mega churches they always advertised back in Houston. At the far end of the room where the altar would have been stood a ten-foot-tall statue of pure white alabaster. A young woman in a white robe, a serene smile on her face. In one hand, she raised a cup while a golden serpent coiled around her arm, its head poised over the brim as if ready to drink. Large and dangerous, Jason guessed. Piper scanned the room. This must have been the sleeping area. Her voice echoed a little too loudly for Leo's comfort. The patient stayed here overnight. The god Asclepius was supposed to send them a dream, telling them what cure to ask for. How do you know that? Leo asked. Yanaba told you? Piper looked offended. I know stuff. That statue over there is Hygieia, the daughter of Asclepius. She's the goddess of good health. That's where we get the word hygiene? Jason studied the statue warily. 
What's with the snake in the cup? Um, not sure, Piper admitted. But back in the day, this place, the Asclepion, was a medical school as well as a hospital. All the best doctor priests trained here. They would have worshipped both Asclepius and Hygieia. Leo wanted to say, Okay, good tour, let's leave. The silence, the gleaming of white tiles, the creepy smile on Hygieia's face, it all made him want to crawl out of his skin, but Jason and Piper headed down the center aisle toward the statue. So, Leo figured he'd better follow. Strewn across the benches were old magazines. Highlights for Children, Autumn, 20 BCE, Hephaestus TV Weekly, Aphrodite's latest, Baby Bump, the magazine of Asclepius, 10 simple tips to get the most out of your leeching. It's a reception area, Leo muttered. I hate reception areas. Here and there, piles of dust and scattered bones lay on the floor, which did not say encouraging things about the average wait time. Check it out, Jason pointed. Were those signs here when we walked in? And that door? Leo didn't think so. On the wall to the right of the statue above a closed metal door were two electronic signboards. The top one read, The doctor is incarcerated. The sign below that read, Now serving number 0 0 0 0 0 0 0 Jason squinted. I can't read that far away. The doctor is incarcerated, Leo said. Apollo warned me that Asclepius was being held under guard. Just didn't want him sharing his medical secrets or something. Twenty bucks and a f- box of Fruit Loops that statues the Guardian, Piper said. I'm not taking that bet. Leo glanced at the nearest pile of waiting room dust. Well, I guess we take a number. The giant statue had other ideas. When they got within five feet, she turned her head and looked at them. Her expression remained frozen. Her mouth didn't move, but a voice issued from somewhere above, echoing through the room. Do you have an appointment? Piper didn't miss a beat. Hello, Hygieia! Apollo sent us. We need to see Asclepius. The alabaster statue stepped off her dais. She might have been mechanical, but Leo didn't, couldn't hear any moving parts. To be certain, he'd actually have to touch her, and he didn't want to get that close. I see! The statue kept smiling, though she didn't sound pleased. May I make a copy of your insurance cards? Uh, well... Piper faltered. We, we don't have them on us, but... No insurance cards? The statue shook her head. An exasperated sigh echoed through the chamber. I suppose you haven't prepared for your visit either. Have you washed your hands thoroughly? Uh, yes, Piper said. Leo looked at his hands, which as usual were streaked with grease and grime. He hid them behind his back. Are you wearing clean underwear? The statue asked. Hey, lady, Leo said. That's getting personal. You should always wear clean underwear to the doctor's office, shouted Hygieia. I'm afraid you are a health hazard. You'll have to be sanitized before we can proceed. The golden snake uncurled and dropped from her arm. It reared, it reared its head and hissed, flashing saber-like fangs. Uh, you know, Jason said, getting sanitized by large snakes isn't covered by a medical plan. Darn it. Oh, that doesn't matter, Hygieia assured him. Sanitizing is a community service. It's complimentary. The snake lunged. Leo had a lot of had had a lot of practice dodging mechanical monsters, which was good, because the golden serpent was fast. Leo leaped to one side and the snake missed his head by an inch. Leo rolled up and came up, hands blazing as the snake attacked, Leo blasted in the eyes, causing it to veer left and smash into the bench. Piper and Jason went to work on Hygieia. They slashed through the statue's knees, fell, felling her like an alabaster Christmas tree. 
Her head hit a bench. Her chalice splashed steam ass, steaming acid all over the floor. Jason and Piper moved in for the kill. But before they could strike, Hygieia's legs popped back on like they were magnetic. The goddess rose, still smiling. Unacceptable, she said. The doctor will not see you until you are properly sanitized. She sloshed her cup toward Piper, who jumped out of the way as more acid spl- splashed across the nearest benches, dissolving the stone in a hissing cloud of steam. The snake, meanwhile, recovered its senses. Its metal, metal eye- me- me- melted metal eyes somehow repaired themselves. Its face popped back into shape like a dent-resistant car hood. It struck at Leah, who ducked and tried to grapple its neck, but it was trying to grab sandpaper going at 60 miles an hour. The serpent shot past its rough metal skin, leaving Leo's hands scraped and bleeding. The momentary contact did give Leo some insight, however. The snake was a machine. He sensed its inner workings, and if the statue of Hygieia operated on a similar schematic, Leo might have a chance. Across the room, Jason soared into the air and lopped the goddess's head off. Sadly, the head flew right back into place. Unacceptable, Hygieia said calmly. Decapitation is not a healthy, healthy lifestyle choice. Jason, get over here, Leo said. Piper, buy some time. Piper glanced over like easier said than done. Hygieia, she yelled. I have insurance. That got the statue's attention. Even the golden snake turned toward her, as if insurance was some sort of tasty rodent. Insurance? The statue said eagerly. Who's your provider? Um, Blue Lightning, Piper said. I have the card right here. Just a second. She made a big show of patting down her pockets. The snake slurred over to watch. Jason ran to Leo's side, gasping. What's the plan? We can't destroy these things, Leo said. They're designed for self-healing. They're immune to pretty much every kind of damage. Great, Jason said. So? Remember Kyron's old gaming system? Leo said. Jason's eyes widened. Leo? This is in Mario Party 6. Same principle, though. Idiot mode? Leo grinned. I'll need you and Piper to run interference. I'll reprogram the snake, then Big Bertha. Hygieia. Whatever. Ready? No. Leo and Jason ran for the snake. Hygieia was assailing Piper with healthcare sort of questions. Is blue lighting an HML? What is your deductible? Who's your primary care deity? As Piper ad-libbed answers, Leo jumped on the serpent's back. This time he knew what he was looking for, and for a moment the serpent didn't even notice him. Leo pried open a service panel near the snake's head. He held on with his legs, trying to ignore the pain and sticky blood on his hands as he redid the serpent's writing. Wiring. Jason stood by, ready to attack, but the snake seemed transfixed by Piper's problems with blue lightning coverage. Then the advice nurse said I had to call the service center, Piper reported. And the medical medications weren't covered by my plan, and... The snake lurched as Leo connected the last two wires. Leo jumped off and the golden serpent began shaking uncontrollably. Hygieia rolled to face him. What have you done? My snake requires medical assistance. Does it have insurance? Piper asked. What? The statue turned back to her and Leo jumped. Jason summoned a gust of wind which boosted Leo onto the statue's shoulders like a little kid at a parade. He popped open the back of the statue's head as she staggered around, sloshing acid. Get off, she yelled. This is not hygienic. Hey, Jason yelled, flying circles around her. I have a question about my deductibles. What? The statue cried. Hygieia, Piper shouted. I need an invoice submitted to Medicare. No, please. Leo found the statue's regulator chip. He clicked a few dials and pulled some wires, trying to pretend that Hygieia was just one large Nintendo game system. 
He reconnected her circuits and Hygieia began to spin, hollering and flailing her arms. Leo jumped away, barely avoiding an acid bath. He and his friends backed up while Hygieia and her snake underwent a violent religious experience. What did you do? Piper demanded. Idiot mode, Leo said. Excuse me? Back at camp, Jason explained. Chiron had this ancient gaming system in the rec room, and Leo and I used to play it sometimes. You can compete against, like, computer-controlled opponents, comms. And they had three difficulty options, Leo said. Easy, medium, and hard. I've played video games before, Piper said. So what did you do? Well, I got bored with those settings, Leo shrugged. So I invented a fourth difficulty mode. Idiot mode. It makes the comms so stupid it's funny. They always choose exactly the wrong thing to do. Piper stared at the statue and snake, both of which were writhing and starting to smoke. Are you sure you set them to idiot mode? We'll know in a minute. What if you set them to extreme difficulty? Then we'll know that too. The snake stopped shuddering and coiled up and looked around as if bewildered. Hygieia froze a puff of smoke drifted from her right ear. She looked down at Leo. You must die! Hello? You must die! She raised her cup and poured acid over her face, then she turned and marched face first into the nearest wall. The snake reared up and slammed his face repeatedly into the floor. Okay, Jason said. I think we've achieved idiot mode. Hello? Die! Hygieia backed up from the wall and face slammed it again. Let's go. Leo ran for the metal door next to the dais. He grabbed the handle. It was still locked, but Leo sent some mechanic mechanisms inside. Wires running up the frame connected to... He stared at the two blinking signs above the door. Jason, he said, give me a boost. Another gust of wind levitated him upward. Leo went to work with his pliers, reprogramming the signs until the top one flashed, the doctor's in the house. The bottom sign changed to red, now serving, all the ladies love Leo. The metal door swung open and Leo settled to the floor. See, the way wasn't so bad, Leo grinned at his friends. The doctor will see us now. And that's the end of chapter 35. I I think that this chapter was extremely fun to read. And it's just, I think that it shows yet again what the importance behind having Leo's kind of humor in a group and in a situation that seems to be so dull and gloomy. When you have seven demigods who are worrying about whether they're going to survive the next day because they're constantly being hunted by monsters and and gods even and just anything possible with people like leo's here humor it really starts to cheer up everybody it gives that joy and happiness and makes them remember the good times in a way because it helps them lighten up and it moves away from that pressure and that just fear of knowing that they have to live up to the expectations because they were given that quest but also their fear because they genuinely don't want to die. They might have families, they might have relationships, they might have people they care about. And to die is to losing that life with their loved ones. So I think that Leo's humor really played a crucial role here. And you can see how sometimes we... The demigods at the surface level, they act like they don't like it or they don't... They don't appreciate it. But in reality, this is the things that are that are keeping them from breaking down. The, this kind of humor is the thing that's holding them back and making them think about the good times. And thinking about the future. When all of this is over, how they will be together and hanging out and just having fun. So, 
I think that yet again we were shown the importance of humor and just Leo's prowess when it comes to both engineering and humor. So yes, after the break, we will continue by reading the final chapter, chapter 35, Leo, and then afterwards move on to the Q&A session. So, see you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back from the break and now we're going to read chapter 36, Leo. At the end of the hall stood a walnut door with a bronze plaque. Asclepius, MD, DMD, DME, DC, DVS, FAN, OMG, EMT, TTYL, FRCP, ME, IOU, OD, OT, PharmMD, BAMF, RN, PhD, Incorporated, SMH. There may have been more acronyms on the list, but by that point, Leo's brain had exploded. Piper knocked. Dr. Asclepius? The door flew open. The man inside had a kindly smile, crinkles around his eyes, short salt and pepper hair, and a well-trimmed beard. He wore a white lab coat over a business suit and a stethoscope around his neck. Your stereotypical doctor outfit, except for one thing. Asclepius held a ball of polished black staff with a live green python coiled around it. Leo wasn't happy to see another snake. The python regarded him with pale yellow eyes, and Leo had a feeling it was not set to idiot mode. Hello! said Asclepius. Doctor! Piper's smile was so warm, it would have melted a boread. We'd be so grateful for your help. We need the physician's cure. Leo wasn't even her target, but Piper's charm speak washed over him irresistibly. He would have done anything to help her get that cure. He would have gone to medical school, gotten 10, 12 doctorate degrees, and bought a large green python on a stick. Asclepius put his hand over his heart. Oh, my dear, I would be delighted to help. Piper smiled and wavered. You would? I mean, of course you would. Come in, come in. Asclepius ushered him into his office. The guy was so nice, Leo figured his office would be full of torture devices, but it looked like 
well, a doctor's office. A big maple desk, bookshelves, stuff with medical books, and some of those plastic organ models Leo loved to play with as a kid. You remember getting in trouble one time because he had turned a cross-section kidney and some skeleton legs into a kidney monster and scared the nurse. Ah, <sighs> life was simpler back then. Asclepius took the big comfy doctor's chair and laid his staff and serpent across his desk. Please sit! Jason and Piper took the two chairs on the patient's side. Leo had no had to remain standing, which was fine with him. He didn't want to be eye-level with the snake. So... Asclepius leaned back. I can't tell you how nice it is to actually talk with patients. The last few thousand years with paperwork hadn't gone out of control. Rush, rush, rush. Failed a giant alabaster guardian who kills everyone in the waiting room. It takes all the fun out of medicine. Yeah, Leo said. Hygieia's kind of a downer. Asclepius grinned. <laughs> My real daughter Hygieia isn't like that, I assure you. She's quite nice. At any rate, you did well reprogramming the statue. You have a surgeon's hands. Jason shuddered. Oof. Leo with a scalpel? Don't encourage him. The doctor god chuckled. <laughs> now what seems to be the trouble? He sat forward and peered at Jason. Hmm. Imperial gold, sword wound, but that's healed nicely. No cancer, no heart problems. Watch that mole on your left foot, I'm, but I'm sure it's benign. Jason blanched. How did you? Oh, of course, Asclepia said. You're a bit nearsighted. Simple fix. He opened his drawer, whipped out a prescription pad and an eyeglasses case. He scribbled something on the pad, then handed the glasses and the script to Jason. Keep the prescription for future reference, but these lenses should work. Try them on. Wait, Leo said. Jason is nearsighted? Jason opened the case. I... I have had a little trouble seeing stuff from a distance lately, he admitted. I thought I was just tired, he tried on the glasses, which had thin frames of imperial gold. Wow, yeah, that's better. Piper smiled. You look very distinguished. I don't know, man, Leo said. I'd go for contacts. Glowing orange ones with cat eyes pupils. Those would be cool. Glasses are fine, Jason decided. Thanks, uh, Dr. Asclepius, but that's not why we came. No? Asclepius steepled his fingers. Well, let's see then. He turned to Piper. You seem fine, my dear. Broken arm when you were six, fell off a horse? Piper's jaw dropped. How could you possibly know that? Vegetarian diet, he continued. No problem. Just making sure you're getting enough iron and protein. Hmm, a little weak in the left shoulder. I assume you got hit with something heavy about a month ago? Sandbag in Rome, Piper said. That's amazing. Alternate eyes in a hot pack if it bothers you. Ascobius advised. And you? He faced Leo. Oh my. The doctor's expression turned grim. The friendly twinkle disappeared from his eyes. Oh, I see. The doctor's expression said, I am so, so sorry. Leo's heart filled with cement. If he'd har harbored any last hopes of avoiding what was to come, they now sank. What? Jason's new glasses, glasses flashed. What's wrong with Leo? Hey, Doc. Leo shot him a drop-it look. Hopefully they knew about patient confidentiality in ancient Greek. We came for the physician's cure. Can you help us? I've got some pilocene mint here and a very nice yellow daisy. He set the ingredients on the desk, carefully avoiding the snake's mouth. Hold it, Piper said. Is there something wrong with Leo or not? Asclepius cleared his throat. <clears throat> I, uh, never mind. Uh, forget I said anything. Now, you want the physician's cure? Piper frowned. But 
Seriously, guys. Leo said, I'm fine. Except for the fact that Gaia's destroying the world tomorrow. Let's focus. They didn't look happy about it, but Asclepius forged ahead. So this daisy was picked by my father, Apollo. Yep, Leo said. He sends hugs and kisses. Asclepius picked up the flower and sniffed it. I do hope Dad comes through this war all right. Zeus can be quite unreasonable. Now, the only missing ingredient is the heartbeat of the chained god. I have it, Piper said. At least, I can summon the Makai. Excellent. Just a moment, dear. He looked at his python. Spike, are you ready? Leo stifled a laugh. Your snake's name is Spike? Spike looked at him balefully. He hissed, revealing a crown of spikes around his neck like a basilisk. Leo's laugh crawled around down his throat to die. <laughs> My bad, he said. Of course your name is Spike. He's a little grumpy, Asclepius said. People are always confusing my staff with the staff of Hermes, which has two snakes, obviously. Over the centuries, people have called Hermes' staff the symbol of medicine, when of course it should be my staff. <laughs> Spike feels slighted. Georgia and Martha get all the attention. Anyway. Asclepius said the daisy and poison in front of Spike. Pylosian mint, certainty of death, the curse of Delos, anchoring that which cannot be anchored. Now the final ingredient, the heartbeat of the chained god. Chaos, violence, and the fear of immortality. And the fear of mortality. He turned to Piper. My dear, you may release the Makai. Piper closed her eyes. Wind swirled through the room. Angry voices wailed. Leo felt a strange desire to smack Spike with a hammer. He wanted to strangle the good doctor with his bare hands. Then Spike unhinged his jaw and swallowed the angry wind. His neck ballooned as the spirits of battle went down his throat. He snapped up the daisy and the vial of Pylosian mint for dessert. Won't the poison hurt him? Jason asked. No, no, Asclepius said. Wait and see. A moment later, Spike belched out a new vial. A stoppered glass tube no bigger than Leo's finger. Dark red liquid, liquid glowed inside. The physician's cure. Asclepius picked up the vial and turned it into light. His expression became serious and bewildered. Wait, why did I agree to make this? Piper placed her ha hand palm up on the desk. Because we needed to save the world. It's very important. You're the only one who can help us. Her charm speak was so potent even Spike the snake relaxed. He curled around his staff and went to sleep. Asclepius' expression softened like he was easing himself into a hot, ba hot bath. Of course, the god said. I forgot. You must be careful. Hades hates it when I raise people from the dead. The last time I gave someone this potion, the lord of the underworld complained to Zeus and I was killed by a lightning bolt. Boom. Leo flinched. You look pretty good for a dead guy. Oh, I got better. That was part of the compromise. You see, when Zeus killed me, my father Apollo got very upset. He couldn't take out his anger on Zeus directly. The king of the gods was much too powerful. So Apollo took revenge on the makers of lightning bolts instead. He killed some of the elder Cyclops for that. For that, Zeus punished Apollo quite severely. Finally, to make peace, Zeus agreed to make me a god of medicine with the understanding that I wouldn't bring anyone else back to life. Asclepius' eyes filled with uncertainty, and yet here I am, giving you the cure. Because you realize how important this is, Piper said. You're willing to make an exception. Yes. Reluctantly, Asclepius handed Piper the vial. At any rate, the potion must be administered as soon as possible after death. It can be injected or poured into the mouth, and there's only enough for one person, do you understand? He looked directly at Leo. We understand, Piper promised. 
Are you sure you don't want to come with us? Asked Clopius. Your guardian is out of commission. You'd be really helpful aboard the Argo II. Asclepius smiled wistfully. The Argo. Back when I was a demigod, I sailed on the original ship, you know. Ah, to be a carefree adventurer again. Yeah, Jason muttered. Carefree. But alas, I cannot. Zeus will already be quite angry with me for helping you. Besides, the Guardian will reprogram itself soon. You should leave. Asclepius rose. Best wishes, demigods, and if you see my father again, please give him my regrets. Leo wasn't sure what that meant, but they took their leave. As they passed through the waiting room, the statue of Hygieia was sitting on a bench, pouring acid on her face and singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, while her golden snake gnawed at her foot. The peaceful scene was almost enough to lift Leo's spirits. Back on the Argo the second, they gathered in the mess hall and filled in the rest of the crew. I don't like it, Jason said. The way Asclepius looked at Leo. Aw, he just sensed my heart sickness. Leo tried for a smile. You know, I'm dying to see Calypso. That is so sweet, Piper said. But I'm not sure that's it. Percy frowned at the glowing red vial that sat in the middle of the table. Any of us might die, right? So we just need to keep the potion handy. Assuming only one of us dies, Jason pointed out. There's only one dose. Hazel and Frank stared at Leo. He gave them a look like, knock it off. The others didn't see the full picture. To storm or fire, the world must fall. Jason or Leo? In Olympia, Nike had warned that one of the four demigods present would die. Percy, Hazel, Frank, or Leo? Only one name overlapped those two lists. Leo. And if Leo's plan was going to work, he couldn't have anybody else close by when he pulled the trigger. His friends would never accept his decision. They would argue, they would try to save him, they would insist on finding another way, but this time Leo was convinced. There was no other way. Like Annabeth always told him, fighting against the prophecy never worked. It just created more trouble. He had to make sure this war ended once and for all. We have to keep our options open, Piper suggested. We need like a designated medic to carry the potion, someone who can react quickly and heal whoever gets killed. Good idea, beauty queen, Leo lied. I nominate you. Piper blinked. But Annabeth is wiser. Hazel can move faster on an area, and Frank can turn into animals. But you've got heart. Annabeth squeezed her friend's hand. Leo's right. When the time comes, you'll know what to do. Yeah, Jason agreed. I have a feeling you'll, you're the best choice, Pipes. You're going to be, be there with us at the end. Whatever happens, storm or fire. Leo picked up the vial. Is everyone in agreement? No one objected. Leo locked eyes with Hazel. You know what needs to happen. He pulled a chamois clo chamois clothes from his tool belt and made a big show of wrapping up the physician's cure. Then he presented the package to Piper. Okay, then, he said. Athens tomorrow morning, gang. Be ready to fight some giants. Yeah, Frank murmured. I know, I'll sleep well. After dinner broke up, Jason and Piper tried to waylay Leo. They wanted to talk about what had happened with Asclepius, but Leo evaded them. I've got to work on the engine, he said. Which was true. Once in the engine room with only Buford the Wonder Table for company, Leo took a deep breath. He reached into his tool belt and pulled out the actual vial of Physician's Cure. Not the Trick of the Mist version he'd handed to Piper. Buford blew steam at him. Hey man, I had to, Leo said. Buford activated his holographic hedge. Put some clothes on! Look, it's gotta be this way, otherwise we'll all die. Buford made a plaintive squeal, then clattered into the corner in a sulk. Leo stared at the engine. He'd spent so much time putting it together, he'd sacrificed months of sweat and pain and loneliness. Now the Argo II was approaching the end of its voyage. 
Dio's whole life. His child with Dia Kalida. His mother's death in that warehouse fire. His years as a foster kid. His months at Camp Hapla with Jason and Piper. All of it would culminate tomorrow morning in one final battle. He opened the access panel. Festus's voice creaked over the intercom. Yeah, buddy, Leo agreed. It's time. More creaking. I know, Leo said. Together till the end? Festus squeaked affirmatively. Leo checked the ancient bronze astrolabe, which was now fitted with the crystal from Ogigia. Leo could only hope it would work. I will get back to you, Calypso, he muttered. I promised on the river sticks. He flipped a switch and brought the navigation device online. He set the timer for 24 hours. Finally, he opened the engine's ventilator line and pushed inside the vial of the physician's cure. It disappeared into the veins of the ship with a decisive thunk. Too late to turn back now, Leo said. He called on the floor and closed his eyes, determined to enjoy the familiar hum of the engine for one last night. And that's the end of chapter 36. Well, I will definitely say that that was extremely interesting. I mean, there's so many questions that arise from that from that one chapter. What, what did Asclepius see in Leo? Is Leo going to be the one that dies? Or is Leo going to be the one that faces the grief after Jason dies? It seems like, like the former might be true. And with this, it seems like Leo is also holding back something. As he had taken the vial of the physician's cure that they had... Uh, gone through defeating a statue for just to feed it into the ship so really maybe we don't know everything about leo maybe he still remains a mystery to us because we don't actually know every single detail about him that we would know about the other demigods what is he exactly holding what is he exactly keeping in secret all of these questions and so many wonders we can only find out in next chapter, in the next chapter, as we read next week. And that concludes our reading and our analysis for today's chapter, for today's episode. The next session, the next part will be the Q&A session, and before that, we will have a, Q, a couple of disclaimers. Number one, if I skip your name or your question, do please let me know, and I will try my best to get back to you in the next episode. Number two, sometimes I do not answer uh, certain questions because I feel that I may have answered them in a few previous episode or that they are uncomfortable for me. So, in order, so I would encourage everybody to ask as many questions as they are as they are to be curious about me. But I would hope that nobody feels bad when I don't answer some questions. And also, um, be sure to check out previous episodes in which maybe I, I, I may have answered a previous, uh, some, some popular questions. So do please check that out. So now moving on to the shout out session, we have Bernie LT, Paul Ridd, Ava, Nick, and Lucas. Thank you guys. Now moving on to the questions. Number one, favorite name from the series. I think it's Calypso. It's such a serene and tranquil name while also giving that sense of joy within you. It's, it's, I, it's one of my favorite names by far. Next question is, do you like football? I'm not really well known on the game, if I do say so myself. So, eh, I'd say in the middle. I'm not, I'm not really well versed on what exactly the game is and how it works. Uh, next question is, have you seen the Hunger Games? I actually have not yet, which is, yes, very shocking, even to me as well. Uh, next question is, do you read the books before you record so you don't get emotional when recording? Nope. This is my raw reaction every time. 
Um, what if I start crying in the middle of the of, uh, episode? It's because I didn't read the book before and I didn't expect that this would happen. Or if I just start laughing uncontrollably, it's because I didn't know there would be something funny. So yes, you're getting all of my raw reactions. Uh, next question is, what do you predict happens later in this book? To my knowledge, the one thing for certain is either Leo or Jason is going to die. And by the looks of it, it looks like Leo is more likely to die. And considering he's one of my favorite characters, it hurts a lot. Um, but then again, I could be proved wrong. So, we'll have to see about that. Next question is, who do you ship the most? I think... I'm not sure if this ship has sailed, but... I guess the ship can't sail until Leo gets back with Calypso. But basically, Leo and Calypso is, are, is the couple I'm rooting for, because I think that they genuinely were able to create such a strong bond with each other in a matter of few days that Calypso wasn't able to do with anywhere, anyone else. My theory on Calypso loving people is that it was more on the tip of the iceberg and that because they never spent that much time with each other, whoever, whichever hero stopped by Ojigia, she had this... this... kind of superfluous kind of love for the heroes. But when she spent time with Leo, that was probably the first time she spent time with anybody. So I think that kind of kindled some feelings within her, started igniting some feelings within her for Leo because they had spent that much time together, being close by and everything. Um, next question is, have you ever read Perks of Being a Wallflower? I actually have not, but I'll add it to my list. Next question is, which foods do you associate with the Seven and Calypso? Okay, I have a list. And let me know if you guys have any other thoughts as well. Um, but mostly, these are all dessert-based because I mostly know desserts. Um, but I'll try and give my reasoning for each one. So we have Percy, who is blue cupcakes or jelly beans. Obviously, blue because of blue. Um, Annabeth is a croquembouche. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know what a croquembouche is, a croquembouche is essentially this tower of puff pastry filled with cream and it just you spend hours just trying to build them so that they would not fall on each other and I feel like architecture that kind of stuff Annabeth's Alley and it tastes good so yeah Uh, Jason would probably be a lemon roaring pie the only reason why I would think that is because a lemon roaring pie is kind of like sour and then sweet and I think that's the feeling that I got when I first read when I, when I got, that's my first impression of Jason. As we were being introduced to him, it felt like that he was this very closed off, sour kind of person to everybody. But then we slowly start to see that he's kind of a sweet person, maybe like a Sour Patch Kid, but I would say lemon meringue pie because it's a sour and sweet kind of situation. Uh, next question, is, next one is Piper. I would say Piper is a homey mac and cheese. And the reason why I would say that is because I think that Piper really likes to... In, out of all the people, out of all the demigods, I think Piper, we only see Piper and her um, connection to her Cherokee heritage. And I think that overall, I think to me, mac and cheese also kind of resembles that homey kind of feeling when you eat it. So I think that maybe if Piper were to eat kind of like a mac and cheese, she would be reminded of her dad and just being home with her dad. And that would kind of 
yeah, that's that's that. Those are my thoughts. Um, next question. Next one is Hazel. Um, Hazel, I get the feeling that she's a raspberry moose, and the reason why I feel that is because, again, I think it's kind of the same lines as Jason. For me, sometimes a raspberry is tart, and but then sometimes it's sweet. So I think that sometimes, based on the situation, Hazel likes to act accordingly or act um, to which she has this pattern of, in situations that she doesn't like, she acts a little bit tart, she acts a little bit, um, you know, trying to maintain steadfast. And that kind of, um, I guess you could say, makes other people think maybe oh, what is she doing? And just curious about why she's just so solemn and serious or focused on something. So I think I I just, I I don't know. I think that the raspberry kind of gives this kind of false perception that you think it's going to be tart, but in reality, sometimes it's sweet. And I think Hazel is like, you look at her and she's, she may be tart on the outside and like sour and just maybe mean, but on the inside, she's a very sweet individual. Real reality is that she's really sweet. Um, next question, next one is Frank. And for Frank, I have mango habanero wings. And this might not make sense, but the reason why I have this is because... I think in the beginning, when we first are introduced to Frank, he seems like this very shy guy who doesn't really want to do... Who doesn't want to... Take risks because of that fire, that, um, piece of, uh, that, 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 um tinder block that he keeps with that he kept with them and that really inhibited him from taking risks and taking the initiative to go on the quests but now just like a mango habanero it's like building up the heat it's building up the spice you think it's sweet and it's also spicy so frank also has now reached a point where he's maintained this level of being extremely sweet but also being able to take those risks so that's why i also i always think that he represents that I, I think he resembles that mango habanero wing. And then Calypso. I would say Calypso is someone who's very complicated yet simple. And that's what I see when I see a baked Alaska. Now, a baked Alaska is essentially, if I remember correctly, it's kind of like a meringue kind of dessert where um, you torch it, actually. It's a torched meringue dessert. And on the inside, it'll have, if I do remember correctly, it's like cake or something like that. Um, so I think Calypso resembles a baked Alaska because, again, she seems like this complex person who just has a lot of complex feelings about just the idea that she's been in this island for the past, like, years and years uh, on top of. And, but in reality, she's just a very simple person who's very simple-minded and just has this kind of simple way of life. Maybe that's because of the island. Maybe it's not. But I think when I look at that, when I when I come when I look at Calypso, I get reminded, or at least in terms of food, like as a of a baked, baked Alaska. Uh, next question is: Do you like turtles? Yes, I love them. Uh, next question is: Who would win, Nico or Percy? I don't know. I really don't know. That would that that needs some thinking for me to do. But good question. Um, good question. Uh, next question is, who would win, Leo or Annabeth? See, in this case, I would think it's Leo, because if Annabeth had her invisibility invisibility cap and it was still working, then maybe she would stand a chance, but other than that, I think Leo with his firepower really, really puts a solid in there. Uh, 
that concludes our Q&A session. I hope you guys enjoyed that just as much as I did. And please feel free to also add in your thoughts about which food would best represent each of the demigods, including Nico and Reyna and Coach Hedge and everybody you can think of. Um, but yes, that concludes the episode. And next week, we will continue by reading chapters 37 to 38. And yes. So until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom. <laughs>